you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hi, everyone. Did you hear the news, the exciting news after many, many, I was going to say months, but let's just, let's just be real with each other, years of you guys, you guys, oh my gosh, I'm from New York, but come on. I just went out to get an iced coffee and it hasn't kicked in yet. Okay, let me let me circle back. After many, many months, uh, change that to years, of you guys asking to be able to see the images that I describe, you know, when people send in their questions, I try my best to really illustrate what's going on in the pictures because the podcast is an audio medium. So I can't be showing you while you're listening unless I go on a video medium. So I have launched a YouTube channel. I have hired some new people to help me because it does exponentially add to the workload. So thank goodness for delegation and amazing companies to help. But uh, now we have a YouTube channel, a Facebook platform, a show notes page, and an Instagram. It's so exciting. What a brave new world. So if you want to see these images, if you want to watch me record these podcasts rather than just listen to it, well, head on over to affordableinteriordesign.com backslash links. That will give you the menu of links where you can click to take a peek at the Facebook uh, page to take a look at the YouTube page and ideally subscribe. There's going to be not only small snippets of the episodes, but also the entire episodes. And now we have a show notes platform. I mean, it's all happening, guys. It's all happening. And you've been asking for it. And the exciting thing is that new questions with lots of delicious pictures have been rolling in. I'm so grateful for those questions that have been coming in from all over the world. One thing I want to share with you is that if when you send in your picture and your question, you don't say that I'm able to share it on the platform, I won't be answering your question because, you know, it's all so I could share it on the platform, right? And if I only can share the question but not the picture, well, then people don't get the real sense of the project. And, um, and if you say I can't share it, then what am I going to talk about? 
So make sure that you click that little button when you submit your question that says, yes, you can share it on your channels. Now, bear in mind, I only share your first name, so it's still pretty anonymous. But now that we have all these new platforms, I need to be sure that the content that I'm putting out is reflective of what I'm talking about. And the better I can illustrate that for you, the more compelling that content will be. And guys, if you want to submit your questions, well, why not? We've been getting through this mailbag month after month, and so there is room for your questions. Uh, you can go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast to easily submit your question and get it answered on an upcoming show. Last bit of news I want to talk about before I dig into your questions is that the Academy is thriving. If you have been dreaming about becoming an interior designer, if you've been thinking about it, but putting those dreams on hold because you were busy raising a family or trying to earn enough tenure to get a pension, but now you've had enough and you're ready to live the life of your dreams and to build an interior design business, uh, know that there's a place for you. Know that there's an academy for you where I not only teach you business skills, but also how to be an interior designer running your own business. So if that sounds intriguing to you, there's a quiz on the website at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Take that quiz to find out if you're a fit. Because basically, I only want people in the academy who are going to be in the exact right spot. I want to make sure that the academy will be the way to fulfill your goals and dreams. So taking that quiz that I created myself to make it really clear where you might fit in based on your feedback, based on the thoughts you're having in the world of interior design. I want to make sure that as you pursue a path, as you invest in education and invest your time and energy in a new pursuit, that you're going down just the right path for you. Because there's lots of different opportunities to pursue in the interior design field. And it's just about locking in what best fits with your lifestyle and more importantly, your dreams. All right, speaking of dreams, let's make some dreams come true today and answer some of these questions that have been sitting here in the mailbag. My first question comes from Irina. Irina writes, hi, Betsy. I have a question for your podcast. I've been working at home for the last seven months, and with the pandemic being nowhere near the end, I realized I need more comfortable areas in my house to work and to lounge. I have a traditional dining table in my house, but I noticed that we almost never use it, probably because it's an Ikea table with four wooden chairs and pillow tie-downs. It feels rather uncomfortable, and it is too formal. I was wondering if having a corner banquette instead of a couple of chairs would be a better idea. That way I can relax, I can lean back, maybe even put my feet up when I work, or sit cross-legged while I eat in front of my laptop. What do you think? Is it too old school? For some reason, most furniture stores don't have a lot of choices. The only one I found is at Pottery Barn. I would love to hear your opinion and if you have any tips on how to make the dining room more inviting and comfortable. My house is small, so I'm trying to find creative ways to work from different places for changing scenery's sake. Thank you. I hope your back is feeling better. Longtime listener, Irina. Irina, did you know that my back actually had some flare-ups? So thank you for asking. It was flaring up. I was having some more uncomfortability. So my son was on the Affordable Interior Design 
baseball team. We sponsored the little league team for our town and they came in second place. Very sad, but they put in such a great effort and everybody really was amazing. And the final game was out of control. I mean, I was jumping up and down with my bad back and uh, my voice was hoarse for two days afterwards. Anyway, I digress. So after the big championship game, my husband, who is the coach, full disclosure, uh, he planned a parents versus kids game. And I couldn't play because of my back. I was worried that if I run, if I hit a ball, if I ever exert myself, that I'll hurt myself again. And I felt so left out because all the parents were playing because two years ago when we had that parents-kids game, I played and really did a good job. Uh, So I was hoping to put in another amazing showing. Well, I was sitting on the sidelines with one other mom and she's like, why aren't you playing? And I mentioned my back issue. She had the same issue, read the same book by Dr. Sarno and was healed. Then she went to some sort of energetic healer in the city and got even more great feedback on what emotional issues were actually causing her back flare-ups. And so she gave me the name of that person, but immediately after talking to her, like the very next day, my back issues went away. And, you know, I really believe that they are 100% tied to my stress levels, my overwhelm. Dr. Sarno says it's internalized rage. So uh, I just thought that that was so interesting. And I have not had any back troubles since. I used to have back troubles every night sitting in my armchair. I couldn't even sit on the couch. And after talking with her again, even though, you know, I already had listened to two chapters of Dr. Sarno's book, I'd already been partially healed, but I was in the middle of a flare up. And just being able to emotionally know what's going on has really been so liberating. So the only reason I'm sharing this story, even though I think it's cool and it made me feel less alone on a day when I was feeling left out because I wanted to play, the only reason I'm really sharing this story is because I bet a lot of you are struggling with back pain. And I'm not saying that this is going to help everyone, but if you would have told me a year ago, almost a year ago, that if I just knew that my back pain was internalized rage, I could make it go away. I mean, that would have been, first of all, unbelievable to me. And second of all, something that I would have wanted to try. Okay, let me just tap into my internalized rage here. Uh, so if, if that helps you guys in any way, uh, I just want to put that out there. And Irina, thanks for asking about my back. Let's get back to your question. So, you know, I think banquet seating can be comfortable for the right type of person. The problem with banquet seating when you buy these prefab banquettes from say Pottery Barn or Ballard Designs is typically they're in a small L-shaped configuration, meaning that they truly dictate the size of your table. And if you have a small L-shape like the one you showed me from Pottery Barn, you must use it with a small circular table or you could use it with like a square type table. But basically, because the banquette is equidistant on each side, the table needs to be equidistant on each side, which can be quite limiting. So I'm just hesitant because this is your formal living room. I'm wary that that will actually work for a formal living room when you can at max seat, you know, I don't know, maybe three people on the banquette and then two people in additional chairs at a 42-inch round table. 
I'm just worried that even though it's more comfortable for you day to day to put up your feet, to, you know, sit cross-legged while you're working, I think that it does present those limitations. If the limitations I spoke about don't feel limiting to you, then go for it. I do think that the banquette is much more expensive than just getting separate chairs. And for me, it sounds like the culprit in your situation is that the chairs just aren't comfortable. You know, those tie-on cushions aren't all they're cracked up to be. And the table is Ikea. Ikea is 80% crap, 20% gold. I do think that there are some amazing pieces at Ikea, but the crappy pieces really impact your quality of life. So if you're not finding enough banquette selection to float your boat, or if the banquette is limiting you to a circular or square table, I would advise that you get four chairs at a rectilinear table that sits six. And then on one of the sides of the table, one of the long rectangular sides, I would do a bench with a back. That way you can get the experience of having a place to sit where you can put your feet up, but you're not literally pinned in to that prefab banquette. If this is going to be a place where you stay forever, if this is going to be a place that, you know, you feel comfortable making the investment of a built-in, a built-in banquette is going to give you more options in terms of making one side longer and one side shorter. So that way you can seat more comfortably. You could have a rectilinear table, but just keep in mind, as I'm sure we can all remember from sitting at diners or even Outback Steakhouse, or while on vacation in Maine, we drove through Boston, we ate at the 99. They have really good banquettes, but once you get more than three people on one side of a banquette, it's quite uncomfortable. I have to ask Diane to move and Eden to move. That was my recent experience so that I could use the restroom, right? So speaking of pinned in, you're kind of locked in again, which for some is uncomfortable. And so I just want you to think about that when you're really thinking about how many people a bench or banquette can sit. All right, Irina, I'm happy to have been of help. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. The next question comes from Kelsey. Kelsey writes, hi, Betsy. I love your podcast and eventually got my mom hooked as well. Hi, mom. 
I'm writing to you today because I just can't figure out what type of rug to put in my son's nursery. It's a small room, and I keep debating what size and shape of rug are going to work best. I settled for a small white rug by the crib because my son was due any day, and I had to make a decision. But that lovely white rug quickly became gray from us standing beside the crib, and I'm realizing a white rug may not have been the best choice. So back to the drawing board. Here are my questions. What size of rug should I buy? The room dimensions are 9.5 by 11.5. There's a dresser against one wall and a crib against the parallel wall. I've heard various rules about rug sizes, but I struggle to find any standard rug size that would work with the design rules I've heard. What shape of rug should I buy? I like the idea of a larger rug so that my son can play on it. The entire house is hardwood, which is not a friendly surface for crawling and falling. I do like the look of hardwood, though. What color rug should I buy? I don't like color. Sorry. It took everything in me to incorporate any color into the nursery at all, especially since we didn't know the gender and I wasn't into the yellow-green idea. So the nursery is gray with white navy curtains and green artwork. Since another white rug is out of the question, it just gets dirty too quickly. Perhaps I should buy gray, green, or blue, or some subtle pattern that incorporates these colors. What types of rugs wear well? I would love for it to be somewhat easy to clean, but the appearance definitely matters. Where should I buy this rug? I've stopped a number of places, but I'd love to hear your advice. I've attached pictures and would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you in advance, Kelsey and Thatcher Gray. And yes, I love the color gray so much that my son's middle name is Gray. All right, Kelsey. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And your nursery and your son are adorable. So is your dog. Guys, if you're wondering what Kelsey's son and her dog look like, you can head over to our new YouTube channel, affordableinteriordesign.com slash links and subscribe to that YouTube channel so you won't miss a thing. And you'll get to see everybody's pictures and a few pictures that I insert of my own to help illustrate these issues and their solutions. All right, Kelsey, let's get in here. So you have lots and lots of questions. And yes, I never recommend a white rug because of your experience. No matter where it's put, it gets dirty and it gets dirty quickly and it never looks fresh. I also don't recommend really dark rugs. In your case, you might have gone with the navy. In other rooms, some people go with black. And that also does not look fresh pretty much the minute you buy it. If there's any lint or hair, it shows everything. So you want to go with something mid-tone, ideally with a pattern, so that way it can camouflage some of those stains. Now, the size, I can't tell you because as I've mentioned before on this podcast, dropping things into floor plans is more technical for me than just here's where everything should go at first impression. I always try every possible option, which leads to about you know 10 to 15 minutes of my time. And there's a number of factors. So I'll just give you some guidelines, right? I see you have a glider. Sometimes putting a rug under a glider half on, half off means that the glider kind of wibble wobbles. So oftentimes you want to make sure to put the rug either fully under the glider or not under it at all to avoid that unstable wobble effect. I also really do not like the look of a rug under a dresser. I don't like it under a dresser because it starts to look like wall-to-wall -wall carpeting or it's half on, half off. It just looks ill-fitting. 
I don't mind a crib being half on half off because of its heaviness and because of its four legs, you'll find it will not wobble unless you know there's some kind of extenuating circumstance. And that can be a really nice look. I also agree with you that you'd like the rug to cover as much floor as possible, at least those open areas, so that the little one can have room to play and crawl. Sometimes that means that it's not a great fit for a standard size rug because standard size rugs come in standard sizes. So in situations like this where maybe I need a long, narrow rug or maybe I need you know, an interesting square rug that I just can't seem to find at stores, well, I will use floor tiles, F-L-O-R.com. And those are carpet squares that stick together. They stick to themselves with stickers. They have a built-in rug pad, which prevents them from slipping all over. And they come in a variety of textures. So you can get something a little bit more plush if you're wanting it to be kind of snuggly, or you can get something quite low pile if you're worried about it, you know, producing dust or capturing dust, things like that. They have a variety of styles, colors, and patterns, so you'll have lots to choose from. And since you already have blue in the drapes and it's like that deep navy that I'm wanting you to avoid with the rug, you could either go with a rug or floor tile option that has pattern, maybe that has a navy pattern on a gray background, or maybe you pick a gray floor tile that has a very subtle pattern. I think that could be really fun and play well off what I'm seeing here in the nursery. So yes, um, I prefer lower pile rugs in nurseries because high pile rugs like a shag rug will capture a lot of stuff, right? Cheerios, dust, pet hair. So that way when your child is crawling or grabbing at the fibers, they might be, you know, getting gross stuff on their hands. Because I remember my kids would like lick their hands or drool and then play on the rug and one of my fellow designers uh, had a shag rug at her house. And so I, when I would take my child over to play, because we had children of similar ages, I would notice his hands coming up the carpet. I'd be like, ah, um, you know, she was very tidy and the rug was super soft, but what's really in there and how do we get it out of there? So I myself prefer something lower pile that's very easy to clean. And also the other benefit of using floor tiles is that when one gets really nasty, say there's a really bad, I don't know if your kids were vomiters like mine, say there was a really bad vomit moment and it just wasn't going to get out very easily. Well, you could just pop out that tile and put in a fresh one. I always have extra floor tiles in my home. I keep them in a closet. And when the worst should happen, I just pop in a new one. In fact, just yesterday, I was configuring my son's floor tiles because I noticed that he took one of the um, felt pads off of his desk chair. So maybe it fell off. It probably fell off, right? I'm sure he wasn't picking them off, but one fell off and the desk chair scratched his floor. So now I'm like, where can we put these floor tiles so that this never happens again? So if you need a solution for a very low pile rug or a rug that you can make into any size you want or a rug that's super forgiving with stains, check out floor.com. Let's get back to some of your other questions about this rug. What color? So I gave you some previews on the colors I'm thinking of, but you know, we're going to avoid that navy and the white. 
And I'd keep it neutral. You know, it really sounds like your dream is to have a neutral nursery. So even though you did give it some pops with the green and the blue and the artwork, it sounds like it was against your will. So let's just make the rug, which is a huge visual element in the room, something that totally aligns with the vision you had. Just make it a very light gray, maybe a subtle pattern, right? And then you mentioned what types of rugs wear well. I highly recommend that you avoid a wool rug because wool rugs can be like wool sweaters where they're itchy, right? I remember in our living room when I first had my son, we had a wool rug and he would play on it without a shirt, just in his diaper. I would be down there on the floor with him and then I'd pick him up and his back would be all red. And it was kind of that reaction to the scratchy wool. So I got rid of that rug and instead I got a polypropylene or acrylic rug, and then we didn't have any issues. It was very soft, and we were able to wash it quite easily. So if the worst should happen, I was able to stain treat it very easily. But keep in mind with a polypropylene rug, sometimes it does off-gas because it's not a synthetic fiber. So there's lots of pros and cons with different rugs. The one thing I would totally avoid are silk and viscose rugs. So viscose is a synthetic silk. It's very soft. It's shimmery. It's beautiful. There are so many times I'm tempted to use it for either a master application or in your case, a nursery. But the problem is that that synthetic silk shows every stain, whether it's just a droplet of water or something much worse than that. And it's impossible to clean. So my mother-in-law is just moving to a different apartment. She found some rugs and she wanted me to pick the one that I preferred. And a few of them were viscose. And I had to just turn her away from that, even though they were my favorite pattern. So there we go. In terms of where you should buy a rug, I think floor.com would be great, but I don't hesitate to buy rugs from anywhere that, you know, I find a pattern that I'm really into and the correct size and the correct material. Additionally, I do not like to invest a lot in a nursery or a kid's room because my kids' tastes change a lot, and I'm constantly evolving their room uh, as they tell me, Mom, I'm so over Gray, or Mom, I'm so over Thomas the Train. It's time to get something new. In fact, we just switched out Pokemon for Fortnite, and uh, so I think it's really important to be reflecting your child's taste back to them, and of course, when they're really little, maybe they don't have too much of an opinion. But as they get older, I think you'll find that Thatcher Gray is going to have some reactions to Gray. Good or bad. We'll see. Keep me posted, Kelsey. All right. Now it's time for the last question of the day. This question comes all the way from Tabitha in Arkansas. Tabitha writes, hi there. I've been given the green light to redecorate our house. Tragically, the person who owned the house before painted every wall and every ceiling the same shade of brown. Ick. Anyway, my husband insists that our ceilings not be stark white. We are going with the color silver gray for our living room walls and beach glass for our bedroom and bathrooms. What color would you suggest for the ceiling? All right. Well, thanks for writing, Tabitha. Yes, you sent in a picture of this brown and it is really oppressive. So I'm happy to hear that you're changing that out. I am sad to hear that your husband does not like white ceilings because that's what you do. Typically, you do a white ceiling, especially when you have popcorn ceilings. You have a textured ceiling. It may not be true popcorn, but it's textured here, right? <clears throat> and with a textured ceiling, we don't really want to draw attention to it. It's not 
a great look, right? A flat ceiling is much better. So the more colorful, the more out of the box color we choose for the paint for the ceiling, the more attention is going to be drawn to it. So I would really suggest that we paint it a version of white, a shade of white. We can tell your husband it's a different color because all these paint colors have interesting names often that don't involve the word white, but I don't think we want to go with a true color. Now, I love silver gray and I love beach glass. Both of those Benjamin Moore paint colors do have subtle cool tones underneath. So you'll want to go with a white that has some cool tones that kind of plays with that. So you might look at something like decorator's white for the ceiling, even though that does have white in the name, doesn't it? But I would avoid doing like a warmer white, like atrium white, because the yellow that's in atrium white is going to not work as well with the blue. Uh, If you're trying to minimize how cold the blue feels, then maybe that's a good use of an atrium white that has a warm undertone. But if I'm trying to kind of make the whole thing a cooler experience, I'd go for a cooler white. And just to make your husband feel a little bit better, in paint, there is no such thing as pure white because paint, the actual material itself, has a color. And it's hard to remove that color, rather they overlay. We have an amazing rep at Benjamin Moore who did like a two-hour class for both the Interior Design Academy that I teach and also my own interior designers, and she gave a wealth of knowledge. But one of the key takeaways for me is that Benjamin Moore does not offer a pure white. So it'll be called white, but against another tone, you'll always see some kind of underlying tone because they had to infuse it with something because they had to negate what's just going on in the base of paint. I thought that was really intriguing. So just tell your husband that there's no such thing as white paint. Will that work? Is he going to buy that? All right, Tabitha, I'm so glad that you wrote in. Guys, if you have questions for me, please send them along to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. I hope that you are enjoying the summer. I hope that you're having lots of fun. In fact, just as I said summer, I was like, well, what if it's not summer where you are? I was just designing in Sydney, Australia two days ago, and it's winter there. So happy winter, happy summer, and happy designing, everyone. Until next time. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about.
big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.